Welcome to Reputation Town. Welcome to episode 17 of Reputation Town. This is Warren Weeks, and as always, I'm joined by my trusty friend and confidant, Jaren, John Paranak. How is uh, your life treating you, John? <laughs> I change the little intro every time. It's, <laughs> that's okay. It's good. It's good. It's, uh, what is it? Actually, I'm optimistic, finally, after my... Two years of malaise. I'm optimistic that uh, hockey's coming back, so that feels pretty good. Oh, I thought you were talking <laughs> about the coronavirus and life in general, but it's just hockey that's got you pumped. Uh, exactly. Yeah. How about you? I finally, I think I'm the last person to watch Ted Lasso. It just started a couple of days ago. Have you seen this show? Uh, I, I was gonna say you're not the last because I haven't seen it. What's it like? Uh, it's really good. It's a very, it's a very well. Everybody's seen it, but it's a very feel good show. <clears throat> Jason Sudeikis from SNL, but, uh, or formerly from SNL. It's, uh, it's interesting. Like I used to work, uh, it's about the inner workings of a, a football or soccer club in, in, in England. And, uh, not that it's similar, but I used to work one of my first jobs. Well, technically I wasn't getting paid, so I don't know if it was a job, but I volunteered at the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a summer. And I often thought that what went on in that office would have made a great TV show, and uh, so you just see this on a much larger scale, but it's very funny and a lot of really cool pop culture references and really quick jokes. And it's a very, it's a very feel good show. It's got a nice heart. Cool. So I recommend. I'll have to give it a try. All right. Um, anything happening with you other than hockey in the, uh, the off topic banter area? I finally finished watching that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier Marvel series that was pretty cool i'm not familiar with it it's only it's only been out it's only been, it was out like back in the start of the year it's good okay on right. disney plus okay and um apologies to our uh, our viewer or viewers who are not fond of the hockey banter but again it's going to be ramping up john i would like to we touched on it briefly i got your prediction about the election last time and you were bang on so congratulations on that and to try to keep that streak alive, I'd like to I'd like you to give us just a quick prediction of what you think is going to happen with the Leafs season this year. I, I'm going to say it ends in disappointment. Oh. <laughs> going out on a largely limb. because that's a safe bet. It's a real safe bet. It's been what sixty years now disappointment. But uh, yeah, I'm not really. Getting after last season when I really was convinced, I really convinced myself things were going to be things were going to happen, and I was drinking drinking too much of my own Kool Aid. Yes, once again, it's uh, the perennial um, activity of the Leafs fans. Okay, why don't you choose the story that you'd like to lead off with this week? Okay, well, you know this is there's a couple of apology things we wanted to talk about this week. This is a quick one, um, but I thought it was interesting on a couple of different levels. So the, there, this is a story that came out um, that there was a, um, I guess a reality TV show that CBS was going to produce called The Activist, and they had an actress uh, Priyanka Chopra who was involved in it, and I think the concept of it was kind of like the Hunger Games for charitable causes like that initially they had this idea that that these different 
activists who had each a different cause were going to go toe to toe, head to head in some sort of competition. And then the, whoever, whoever won was going to emerge and get some sort of prize for that cause they were supporting. And then when the, when the concept of the show was, was uh, sort of, I don't know if it was released to the public or was started being discussed publicly. People started looking at that and saying, that doesn't sound like something I really want to watch. And in fact, that's an awful idea. <laughs> and the, the um, I guess, public backlash started to grow to the point where they've decided now to really, the, the, show, the show is changing to more of a documentary. They're just going to profile these, I don't know how many different causes are involved in it, but say 10 different contestants who each of their causes are just going to profile them all. So it's, it's gone from this sort of reality TV game show dystopian future thing to just kind of like, just kind of like two hours of TV profiling these different causes. And the, and the, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about was two things. First off, this is a great example of where, where a issue management capacity in your organization can come into handy when, you know, the, the kind of person who can get this kind of idea at an earlier stage and say, that doesn't sound like a great idea. We should not do this thing. But um, really the, the thing I wanted to key in on was the apology. And so the, this actress, Priyanka Chopra, apologized on social media for her, her, quote, participation in the series, claiming that she got it wrong. And uh, she goes on to say she apologized to, for disappointing her fans with her participation in the show. I guess she's held in such high regard that this was a, a, a rung too low on the ladder, let's say. But uh, all in all, I thought this was like one of those examples where like, they just missed the, missed the mark on so many different levels. Um, and I, I, there just must not be that rigorous of a sort of public affairs review that goes into some of this stuff. But I was curious to see if you had any thoughts on it. Mm. Hadn't really heard of the show before, and I read the article that you sent over, and apparently it says <clears throat> the premise was six activists compete in media stunts and digital campaigns in this American production, which is evaluated by dancer Julia Huff, is that how you say her name? Musician Usher, and the actress Priyanka Chopra, who you are just talking about. So it sounds like one of those uh, almost America's Got Talent, except the talent is activism and yeah you would think given everything that's going on in the world people would have thought like hey maybe this is not the best idea um i i a lot of surprising things here first of all that she has 68 million twitter followers and like i'm not you know i'm super aware of her i've heard the name before but uh, i guess she's a huge um uh movie star in parts of the world but yeah the apology seems a little just kind of like trying to distance themselves and apparently they've scrapped the um original format of the show and they're trying to redo it into something else but it it makes you like there's so many platforms and so many channels out there and they're pumping so many billions of dollars into creating shows it's so easy like you and me could probably pitch a show and get it picked up by i don't know amazon prime or netflix or something um and not saying because we're super talented it's just i think they're accepting everything and just throwing money at it and saying make it and so i think you're going to see more instances of this where they end up making a show that is um, misses the mark tone deaf if you can uh, describe it that way so not a huge story but the apology part was uh, was sort of interesting and not a huge aftershock I don't think um, haven't seen a lot of follow-up on this but it was one of those uh, you know when you have an audience that large that it obviously has there are some ripples there so interesting one for sure um, the one of the ones I wanted to bring up 
And I'd like to get your comments on this and not to, to pile on with Bill Gates because, you know, you know, big fan using his products, Xbox, fantastic. My main computer is a uh, PC and <laughs> very familiar with his products, as many of you are. It's interesting to watch, um, you know, we had in, uh, for, for any um, regular listeners, we had an episode a couple of weeks back where Bill Gates was doing an interview. Was it Anderson Cooper, I think, was interviewing him? And he brought up the, mm-hmm. um, the Jeffrey Epstein kind of just the the connection and and we were commenting on his you know we played the clip of Bill Gates and we were commenting on his nervousness and his body language and just the way he was carrying himself obviously very uncomfortable subject matter right like not saying anything happened didn't whatever but you know there was a connection he went to these dinners as many many people did. I just find it really fascinating that one of the most savvy, uh, wealthy, and at this point, you know, an elder statesman, and he's doing all this work, that he's being interviewed by these these people, these journalists, and he gets asked questions about this, pretty innocuous questions about sensitive subject matter, and just the, the discomfort in his response, I find really fascinating. And so I saw one the other day, um, he was being in, interviewed on um, PBS NewsHour, You'll hear him, but then we'll kind of describe what he's doing sort of physically. And if you can look up the clip, do it yourself, too. It's a minute and 42 seconds long, and here it is. It was reported at that time uh, that you had a number of meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, who, when you met him 10 years ago, he was convicted of soliciting prostitution from minors. What did you know about him when you were meeting with him, as you've said yourself, uh, in the hopes of raising money? Uh, You know, I had dinners with him. Uh, I regret doing that. He had relationships with uh, people he said, you know, would give to Global Health, which is an uh, interest I have, you know, not nearly enough philanthropy goes in that direction. Uh, you know, those meetings were, were a mistake. They didn't result in uh, what he purported, and I cut them off. You know, that goes back a long time ago now. Uh, there's you know, so there's nothing new on that. It was reported that you continue to meet with him over several years. Um, and that, in other words, a number of meetings. Um, what did you do when you found out about his background? Well, and, you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners. Uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you for... Anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead. So, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, and, you know, the you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy, very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, that's that's what I get up every day and focus on. OK, that's the clip. So you can you can hear the discomfort. I, I think you can anyway. I, I certainly can. And, and and when you watch it, there's a whole other layer on top of it where he he's not really making eye contact. So he's the ver- interview is being done virtually. She's looking to her right and he's on the screen. But with the hands, there's a lot of like, um, I call it the Mr. Burns, you know, like rubbing the hands together, that sort of thing. Eye contact, like not really looking at like at the journalist looking off to the side. Uh, a couple state statements that she makes and he's kind of shaking his head. 
whether he was disagreeing because he didn't mention him or it was just like a reaction and just the pauses. I found it really disconcerting. Like this, the guy's Bill Gates, you know, he's one of the richest people in the world. He's been, this is not his first rodeo. And we see interviews like this time after time. I just found it really, um, I find it interesting. What, 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 you know, hearing that, what's your take on it? So I, I had two thoughts when, because I agree with what you're saying, but I had two thoughts when I, when I listened to that. First is, he was very much on message from what he said last time up until the end. And I'm not sure if you, you noticed the divergence there, yeah. that last question, <laughs> yeah. when when she said, uh, you know, are there any lessons here? Which I thought would have been, fr- frankly, a fairly easy point to go back to what he was already saying. It's like, I got to be really careful who I get my time to, <laughs> and I made a mistake here, and I regret it. But he, he kind of like, I don't know if it was he was being flippant or something, but when he said he's dead and then he yeah. kind of like stumbling and fumbling uh, to the to the finish line there, you know, as you rightly point out, when you do, you know, when you get people ready for interviews, um, you stick to your stick to your message and don't start making new stuff up on <laughs> on the spot. And that really felt like at the end there he was he was, you know, look, looking for some new material tap dancing a little bit and then at the yeah, end the little yeah. and that's why i wake up every day doing the philanthropy and so yeah <clears throat> consistency in messages on a certain level i'm like why do you keep doing interviews man like why do you why do you keep talking to these people i i just i, I was looking for a stronger um shutting this down like the the nervousness and the pauses and the filler words and the lack of eye contact doesn't it doesn't project confidence it doesn't project um, nothing to hide here. I don't know. Like there's, and, 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 well, it invites more questions, right? Yeah, like at the yeah. next, for the next interview to your point. And if I'm a, if I'm a journalist talking to him, it's just, it gets those, it gets your ears perked up. Like what, what's going on? And you want to kind of dig a little bit more. And so it could be just a discomfort feedback loop that just is, is affecting him. And, and, and the next thing I, that I wanted to, to point out was, um, so I, I've seen, I follow Bill Gates on Twitter as millions of people do. And, I noticed the other day that he has prevented people from commenting on his posts. Now that's a feature that they have and it's, it's a, it's a useful feature where in a world where there are, you know, trolls and negative people and people can say, you know, terrible things. And so there's a number of reasons why someone might want to use that feature. I, I don't really see it often. I see it maybe a couple times a day where you can prevent anyone from the public, like just strangers or bots or whatever from commenting, but you can allow anyone who you've referenced in the tweet, like let's say you uh, include an individual, they can comment on it, but no one else can. And I found I found that really um, telling as well that this and that it all hasn't always been that way. I think it's only been that way recently. I scrolled down a couple screens and so he gets tons of engagement, lots of retweets, lots of likes, no comments. And um, I wonder if that's a byproduct of all of this scrutiny and the discomfort around the um, the interviews. Like it would be interesting to go back and see from a couple months ago, you know, when comments were allowed, the the nature of them, because I'm guessing there were a lot of really sophomoric, um, you know, bonehead type things. It's very easy to type in things anonymously, but it, it's 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 kind of surprising that it, that you know someone at that stature at that level would be would be rattled enough by that to turn that feature off. I found you know I'm not making a comment on it one way or another. Everyone has to do what's comfortable for them. I just you know I don't compare that to Elon Musk, right? Who is in there uh, mixing it up, chit-chatting, memes, 
Um, and I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. I just find it really interesting that you have these individuals at these at this pinnacle of their professions and the approaches they take on social media. I find it really odd. Do you think that this is um, a, 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 snar- a smart, insulating move by him, or do you think it's kind of thin-skinned? Uh, I think, it, frankly, I, I'd probably be doing the same thing if I were him. Like, when, when you look at social media, like, remember when... 10 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe even more, 15 years ago, when some of these platforms were just emerging. And the social media was all about this, you know, sort of organic and engaging conversation we're going to have with people and between brands and people. And like, I, I suppose that does exist to at a certain level in some, in many cases. But for the most part, so a lot of these social platforms are publishing platforms now. Mm. And it's a it's a mechanism for you to deliver content to to audiences, and in this case, you know, through f- probably driven by this issue, um, his publishing platform was turning into a tire fire because of the the comments people are making. So, you know, you can still get most of the benefit out of this channel from a publishing platform standpoint, uh, with with limiting the downside. So, and you know. If, uh, speaking personally we've done that for clients in some cases where it just made sense because you knew you're going to have like a vocal minority of people completely cluttering the stream with with um you know their point of view on things and um and that's not what we're we were trying to engender that's not the kind of experience we're trying to create so you just turn it off but the clients and not to get into your kind of personal or your professional work but like you know, having having spoken to a number of executives over the years about social media, one of the first reactions that they would have about putting their brand out there is what if someone says something about us? You know, people are going to say negative things. And they really overemphasize how negative that is. When someone with nine followers and a cat picture for their profile says something negative about you, like it's not, it's not that serious a thing. Like this is, this is not a, this is not a, um, a CEO who is foreign to technology. I just, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I find it just interesting that, that someone at that, of that stature and who is one of the, the builders of the, the, you know, the technology that we all use every day would be, um, it bothers him. Obviously it bothers him. And I think mm-hmm. that comes through in mm-hmm. his, in his body language and the, the interview. And, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on with the divorce and everything else, but, um, in terms of the public persona, to think that these individuals don't put a lot of thought into that is uh, obviously we know that they do. And it's you wonder if he doesn't have someone from a communications function saying to him after the interview, like maybe we need to, you know, workshop that a little more or stop stop doing interviews for a while. I don't know because uh, it, the questions seem to keep coming up again and again. Um, <clears throat> do you have another one that you want to tee up? Uh, and just actually just going back, I was, while you were talking, I was going back in his stream and it looks like he actually turned this off, um, last, uh, last summer, summer of 2020. Summer of 2020. I wonder what's going on. So then. it's, 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 it's been a little while, right? It's been a little while, but at any rate, um, you know, I just want to say one last thing. And I think you're, you, you, when you pointed out that he is, he seemed a bit weak. Like the words 
are good, but he seemed a bit weak in his delivery. Yeah. I think that can make all the difference to really shutting this down. If he can give an interview where he can really deliver that sort of narrative, look, I made a mistake, you know, and all the things he keeps saying, uh, but in a really sort of definitive and contrite way, rather than being so hesitant and wobbly, uh, I think that can make all the difference because that, mm. um, uh, that could sort of put an end to this, this, uh, to your point, it just invites more questions when it isn't a strong, when it is a strong performance. You bring up a great point and it makes me think, imagine if, um, and again, I don't know obviously the backstory, but imagine if Bill Gates is with a buddy, he's with one of his friends, someone he's been friends with for decades and they're having that conversation. His answer to his friend is going to be completely different. I think something along mm -hmm. the lines of the answer to the friend, again, not verbatim and word for word, but something more towards that I think would, would resonate more with the public, something genuine from in like, you know, give me a break. You think I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like just a, something a little more human that doesn't sound like it was scripted and poorly delivered. Agreed. Okay. I have uh, a couple here. The, the Facebook one, I don't know if you want to chat about that, but they, and again, it's a, it's an yeah, let's go there. easy target. We keep bringing them up time after time, but the latest story is, that Facebook is using its news feed to show positive stories about itself. So um, apparently there are some whistleblowers or people within the company who are releasing news out into um, some, some journalists. They don't like what's going on within the company in a, in a bunch of different regards. And there was something called Project Amplify where uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his brain trust were trying to counter a lot of the negative press about Facebook and people saying um, bad things about them. And so they, um, among other things, they're trying to distance Mark Zuckerberg from a lot of these controversial issues. There's a, a targeted campaign to portray him more as a, an innovator, a tech innovator, which is interesting because he actually stole the company from those Winklevoss twins. So, you know, I'm not sure how much innovation, well, um, you know, they, they built it quite a bit after that, but the, um, the decision to use that feature, which is really one of Facebook's most powerful features to pat themselves on the back and really to sort of make themselves uh, to have this, this, this public relations exercise. And there's a huge backlash against that. Um, then there's the piece and these are all coming out at the same time. They had an Instagram for kids that they were going to launch. And then they pulled back on that because uh, they, well, they said that you know they're retooling it and they think it's still a good idea, but there's been some internal research at Facebook that they did that showed that Instagram in particular had had a very negative impact on young people, especially young girls with you know body image and eating disorders and um, mental health and all that sort of stuff. And so they did this research and much like the tobacco companies way back in the day, they did the research, found out about the, the harms, and then they sat on the research because it doesn't... Um, doesn't benefit them financially to, to release it. Um, then you had uh, a situation where, well, well, no, the, that was the other one where they keep doing all this research and then burying the findings. So there's someone within Facebook who is uh, leaking this information. It's got to be driving them them crazy. Those are just the last couple of stories. Uh, what, what do you think specifically about them using the newsfeed feature to kind of pat themselves on the back and make themselves look great in people's eyes or attempt to? I think it's a great idea. <laughs> don't don't companies and organizations do that all the time, right? You use your newsletter to say something positive about, you know, 
the, the thing the company just did, or in this case, um, they happen to have, uh, as part of a core part of the, the product, the ability to push out information to people and it's, they're just taking advantage of it. Um, you know, I think, I think you have to look at the tactic, uh, separate from the content, right? I'm not sure what the content looks like, but from a, from a tactical standpoint, um, this is, this is like an obvious thing that I think, you know, the company is just taking advantage of a, uh, something institutional it has where it could, it could share information with people. What, what, were your, what were your thoughts on it? Well, first, I thought you were joking when you said you thought it was a great idea. And no, I do. I do. <laughs> so tactically, well, you should probably send your resume over to Facebook. Maybe you can work in their public <laughs> affairs department. So as a tactic, I, I get it. And companies do this all the time. They use their communication, their newsletters, their TV shows, their podcasts, whatever, to kind of pump themselves up a little bit. But if you look at what's really going on here, it's... Is this a public relations issue? Because the information that I've been reading about in you know New York Times and other other outlets indicates that Mark Zuckerberg, in particular, thinks that this is a public relations issue. And I would argue that what they have, if you look at, I don't know if you saw any of the stories that uh, Facebook was uh, enabling human trafficking in, in different groups and mm-hmm. like some really nasty stuff going on, and. I, I would suggest that what they have is not a public relations problem. It's an operational problem or a cultural problem or, or a mission problem within the company, like what they're actually doing. And again, it's a massive company. If it was a country, it would be the biggest country in the world. So this huge, huge organization, but what is happening is, is that there's something broken inside the mission where it's dollars over doing the right thing. And then they get a backlash about elements of that. And to deal with the backlash instead of going and changing something about that mission or about the soul of the company or about the operations, they're just trying to put, you know, the old expression, put a lipstick on a pig. Let's just slap some positive stories out there in our newsfeed, which let's face it. That is the news for a lot of people in the world. It used to be Walter Cronkite, Peter Mansbridge, pick your anchor, Peter Jennings. Now it's the Facebook newsfeed. And so it seems to be like taking the easy way out to me. And the public and the company, I think by extension would be better served if they actually went back to the drawing board and tried to fix some of the problems with the product, as opposed to just telling us how fantastic they are or those, that ridiculous video of him surfing with that flag and on that weird thing like that, that was, that was bizarre. <laughs> so, uh, that I, that's where I do agree with you. Um, is there really a public relations problem? Does, like, do, do they ever exist in the, in the absence of some operational issue? I'm not, I'm not sure the two can, I'm actually just thinking aloud here. Yeah. The two, yeah. the two are go, go together like, um, because typically it's an operational thing that has led to the, um, is led to the public relations issue. And in this case, one of like, and, and this is a tactic that gets used quite often. If you wanted to understand, uh, if you want to better better sort of contextualize a problem, in this case, the problem that Instagram may be having with young people, or as you point out, the problem that Facebook may be having with in, in its uh, enablement of some sort of crime happening, is enablement a word? I just made that up, I think. Sounds but at good. any rate, um, you you create a report, or you create you get a third party to do a study, and then you use that study to shape you know, how you, how you manage that issue. And in this case, it, I found it really 
kind of bizarre what they were doing because to your point, there was a number of news stories about how there was a study like this about Instagram in particular, and it showed it was actually deleterious to the mental health of, of young people. And Facebook in response to that did a post on their website that said, no, 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 those stories are all wrong. In fact, the research says the opposite, mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't actually provide the research, which I think is, is, very bizarre and it, it, how can that be considered compelling to anyone like it, it's right. one thing to have the research and release it and say here it is and use the transparency in your favor unless it's unless it's not right and that may be the case here right where the the, the facts the matter um don't line up with um the interests of the company and if that's the case then that's a really existential question right like is it how do you fix how do you fix something like that so that your business interests can be maintained, but you're not on the wrong side of something as critical as, is your product harming people? Mm. You are exactly right that every public relations problem is the result of an operational problem. I think this is a unique case though, because with most companies, when you have an operational problem, if you don't fix it, the company goes away, or you lose a bunch of money, or the CEO gets fired. Let's look at XL Foods. If you remember that, uh, the E. coli crisis back in like 2008 mm -hmm. or nine, and they handled it completely wrong and the company um, operationally screwed it up, communications-wise screwed it up. And within a year, they had been sold off to a, uh, a private equity firm, I think in Brazil. And if you look at Maple Leaf Foods, again, the, the, the example we always use, did everything right operationally, did everything right communications-wise or mostly everything right and had a completely different and positive outcome. So with this one, Facebook is vacuuming up so much money because it is one of the most effective advertising tools in history, the most effective. They are hoovering up so mm -hmm. much money. You have a CEO who can't be displaced. He cannot be displaced. And, and so what you have then is this unique situation where they don't need to fix the operational problem and so by default, they can just view it. They have, I think they have the luxury of viewing it as a public relations problem because they may realize that they, they should go and fix it, but there's no real impetus for, this, for them at this point because they're making more money than ever. And so maybe it's a, one of those unique cases where it is an operational problem and maybe they're aware of it, but they're like, we don't need to fix it because it's not going to impact our profits at all. People are still going to use it because they need to reach their audiences. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, well, well put. Yeah. All right. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up is, and I just saw this um, today, um, that Bob Pickard, the uh, the public relations guy, uh, the signal leadership and leadership communications, um, had tweeted something about WPP, the world's largest advertising agency or advertising group, and they have just had to pay $19 million dollars the SEC claims that they broke anti-bribery laws. And so they own, you know, you name the design agency, media agency, public relations, this whole just mammoth company. And so anytime something like this, like you would think that this is a, this is a, you know, bribery is a really negative word when it comes to corporations and public companies. $19 million is not an insignificant sum. And so I found it interesting the company's response or, or lack thereof. And it's, 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 so if, if you, if you go and look it up, you'll see there's, you know, a story on Bloomberg, a story on market watch, a couple stories here and there, not a lot of pickup about this story. I don't know if there's too many other things going on, if we're preoccupied, 
But the um, the company's response, I found really curious. So first of all, I went to their Twitter page, which that's my move. I always go to the Twitter page, see if there's anything there. There was nothing there at all. Um, and more on that in a bit. But I found there's a story on Bloomberg, and you can look it up. It says WPP pays $19 million over SEC claims. It broke bribery laws. And this is from September 24th by a guy named Matt Robinson. And the last paragraph of the story is a quote from the company. It says, WPP's new leadership has put in place robust new compliance measures and controls, fundamentally changed its approach to acquisitions, cooperated fully with the commission, and terminated those involved in misconduct. Unquote, or end quote, and a WPP spokesperson said in an emailed statement. And so that is, for, for, for an organization that owns a ton of public relations agencies and crisis management uh, companies, that is a really lame statement. So our new leadership, who who are the new leaders? They've put in robust new compliance measures. What are they? We fundamentally change our approach to acquisitions. In what manner? And we terminated those involved in the misconduct. Well, they were saying that the people involved in the misconduct, they were like they would the company would acquire agencies in all these different markets. And then uh, the, the, the story says that the, the founders or CEOs of those companies would continue to bribe local officials. I think India was one of the markets where they were bribing local officials for advertising contracts. And there had been numerous complaints about this and they had gone unheeded. And that's what led to this situation. So are you telling me that they fired all the founders of those companies? And finally, there's a spokesperson with no name, no title, and a statement that was emailed instead of uh, an interview. And so to me, this is carefully worded to make it sound like it's saying a ton, but it's actually saying nothing at all. What are your thoughts in real time on this? I think it's one of those cases where it's like super lawyered and you're not going to get the nuance and sort of flavor that you'd like to see in a, in a, in a statement that shows the company is doing the right thing. Um, like the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act in the U.S. is something that actually from time to time, like even Canadians have to attest that they are not violating because if you are doing work with a U.S. company and they have to live up to the standards of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, then all their suppliers have to as well. So there's been a few times when we had to attest that, oh yeah, we're, we're not bribing media for, for results and things, which we're not, by the way. But... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, uh, it, it really, you'd like to see more and maybe the, maybe the, maybe the media statement is where, where, where you're not going to see more. Maybe the company's planning on some sort of CEO blog post or something to provide some, some of that flavor that you, that you feel like is missing. And I agree is missing. Um, but I can, I think, I think this is one of those circumstances where legal is really running the show and you're not going to get much through beyond just the, the minimal things you read there. I don't think you're going to see anything. There's not going to be a blog post. There's going to be nothing. Nothing. The, um, and, and again, I don't know. Like they, they, they should be doing more though. Right. Like if, if I'm a client, sure. if I'm a potential client and I see this, <clears throat> it doesn't really build a lot of confidence that, you know, cause if I have to, if I have to attest that I'm living up to the, that act, then hiring a WPP company where yeah. they're sort of being, I don't know, pretty, pretty limited in what they're saying. doesn't really build a ton of confidence in me. This is a topic we've, we've touched on in previous episodes, but for whatever reason, 
the, the, the life cycle of a crisis like this. And I don't even know if this, you, you would think that this is a crisis, but it doesn't seem to be. The company has not addressed it um, on social media. Their, their, their CEO, Mark Reed, has said nothing about it. And so it, it seems to be one of those things where, again, there's so much going on in the world. The, you know, the pandemic, the, the economy, blah, 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 pick your, pick your topic. And it's, it seems to be one of those where they're just ignoring it and making it just waiting, waiting it out until there's another crisis. Waiting it out. Else. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a remarkably I think, I think, small amount of coverage about it. And maybe the other thing too, that leads to that is the fact that like it's okay. So for, for, like if I had to pay a nineteen million dollar fine, that would be a big problem because I don't have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure where you find that money, but um, but for for a company like this and the way you know as government fines go, this is mm-hmm. kind of like a speeding ticket. So right. I'm not sure the size of the fine really helps it get as the attention it probably probably should have. Mm. Yes. Uh, 70 some billion dollar market cap, you know, massive, massive company. You know, we've both worked for large firms and the amount of money that they rake in is, is outrageous. But uh, I just thought for a company that's special, like it's not like they make pipes. This is, you know, they deal in communications and I was maybe hoping for a bit, uh, a bit better statement. Um, That's pretty much everything I had. Anything else you wanted to bring up before we uh, wrap this episode up? Yeah. I think there was, there was a, a really interesting one that came, came forward and this was, uh, interestingly, it came forward on the same day, I believe, as those two Canadians that were held hostage in China were released. But um, story came out that um, you know, it was the indigenous, the uh, treatment of indigenous children in residential schools is something you and I have talked about before. We talked about mm-hmm. when Molly was on. It's been in the media a lot. Um, coming up to at the end of September, recognition of that indigenous um, day. September 30th, but uh, as it happened on that same day, um, the Catholic bishops of Canada released a statement, and they, in their statement, they said the following, uh, and it was on the topic of residential schools and and the treatment of uh, First Nations children and Indigenous people generally by the church. Quote, we acknowledge the grave abuses that were committed by some members of our Catholic community physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, cultural, and sexual. We sorrowfully acknowledge the historical and ongoing trauma and the legacy of suffering and challenges faced by Indigenous peoples that continue to this day. Uh, The Catholic bishops of Canada express our profound remorse and apologize unequivocally. And it goes on to say, um, um, having heard the request to engage Pope Francis in the reconciliation process, a delegation of indigenous survivors, elders, knowledge keepers, and youth will meet with the Holy Father in Rome in December 2021. So this is the the apology that I think a lot of people are waiting for uh, from the Catholic Church. And as just as apologies go, how would you how would you rate what you saw there? Uh, th- is that an apology? It, it's it sounds like they're dancing around it a little bit, and they're talking about a potential meeting. And it's I have to say that it's typically you would expect just stonewalling from from the church. So I found it um, to be a, quite a, a marked departure from what I thought what I thought you would get. It seemed um, there seemed to be some contrition there. There seemed to be a change in strategy. If uh, and who knows what's driving that? Could be public sentiment. Could be 
again, lawyers behind the scenes, I have no idea, but there's, there's certainly a change. And so uh, I would think that it's positive. I'd love to see how this meeting rolls out in December. Yeah, I think I would agree. And I think, um, the, so the words all seem pretty good on the page. The one thing I'd say though, is that I think they're just words. And so what, there's really no indication of what will come along with this in terms of, you know, what the, um, what the church plans to do. You know, they talk about reconciliation they talk about, you know, um, uh, this to be start of a process. But I think the, the, in this case, how this turns out in terms of is the, is the, is this issue going to be managed in the way an issue with a ton of gravity and obviously some real world uh, implications? Will this, will this do anything on its own? Probably not. But as you said, it's, it's, it's a change in approach and it's a signal that whatever's to come after this is going to be looked at through that lens. Is it, is it more of the same as what we saw in the before or is this a true meaningful change in the way it goes? So yeah, meetings are cheap, boards are cheap, but these words are pretty good. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'd say this is one of those things where you have to keep an eye on it and see how it see 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 how this actually develops because um, it's a good start, but it's um, not gonna not gonna not gonna manage this issue on that basis alone. You will have to watch this and see this. This should generate a ton of media coverage. And scrutiny, and it would be uh, fascinating to see how it actually unfolds, and what if anything's done, and if they add anything to. Uh, as you mentioned, the words were effective, but it would be great to see what they're going to add on top of that to try to rectify this. It's like you know, it's way too little, way too late, but see what they can do. Yeah. So, and one last thing, uh, just to finish up on. So, this is a, a little story that was uh, in Blog To, and so this is a an anti-vaxxer who um, was protesting vaccine passports in Tim Hortons, like where all good protests happen. And uh, so he's in the, he's in the Tim Hortons and he's got no mask on. He's, he's of course, uh, you know, video, videoing himself for this video. And um, he, of course there was a giant backlash, uh, rightly so. Um, but he, he said he likened himself to uh, Rosa Parks who, of course, as people uh, may know, was yeah. one of the pioneers of uh, civil rights in the U.S. and uh, put herself at great risk to challenge um, uh, laws like uh, where, where black people could sit on a bus. And um, I would say, uh, my question to you, Warren, is, uh, is is not wearing a mask like being Rosa Parks? I can't even like, I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> this I watched, I, I saw the clip. I saw the guy. He's been charged by police also after the fact, because he wouldn't leave without putting a mask on. It's, uh, it's like buddy, you know, like, no, not, not even, not even in the same universe. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it is, you know what it is? It's more than anything. It's just so, it's just so disheartening that, um, something that is actually intended to protect people around you is seen as some sort of like divisive political statement. Yeah. And we can't just, you know, we can't just sort of, you know, go through the inconvenience of a few months of wearing masks so that we could take them off again for, yeah. for the long haul is, 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 is really disappointing. I actually think 
it would be great if I know this is is hard to say because a lot of media outlets like Blog TO are driven by just like clicks, yeah. and so whatever is controversial drives clicks. But like the fact that a guy like this gets uh, the attention on websites like that, yeah. Uh, despite the fact he's being like dunked on all over the place by other people. Like it just it just basically elevating and giving the guy a platform. I say just you know the the faster we can just ignore this stuff, the better. Absolutely, and that for that reason we're not going to play the clip. We'll reference the story, but not going to give this guy any airtime. Exactly. Anyway, that's it for my end, Warren. Great episode. We'll do it again next week. Take care. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.